Or the techno. Oh, that, is that better? <laughs> okay. Um, so uh, after I've, I've done a bit of housekeeping stuff and introduced you to what's going to happen during the day, uh, Dr. Rob Waller will come up and introduce himself and uh, say a bit about uh, you know, expectations of the day and, and so forth. And then he'll, I'll take over again and say a bit about uh, why we're really having this conference. Okay. What I'd like to do first is just to read some scripture and uh, to pray, to open the day. I'm going to be reading uh, from Psalm 77. And I'm going to read up until verse 15. I cry aloud to God, aloud to God, that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. I meditate and my spirit fades. Thou dost, thou dost hold my eyelids from closing. I am so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old. I remember the years long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Will the Lord spurn forever and never again be favorable? Has his steadfast love forever ceased? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I say, it is my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Thy way, O God, is holy. What God is great, like our God. Thou art the God who workest wonders, who hast manifested thy might amongst the people. Thou didst with thy arm redeem thy people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you this morning. And we bring ourselves, all our concerns, our worries, our fears. And we lay them at your feet. And we are amazed that we can do so. We ask that you will be present with us today. And that this day will be all to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be saying a bit more about that song later on. Well, let's think about housekeeping first of all. Um, the timetable for the day is that uh, we will spend, um, from now until about quarter past 11, um, introducing you to the area, uh, the, the college, and uh, to ourselves, the speakers. And after Rob has spoken, I'll tell you a wee bit about my, my own story and tell you a wee bit about some folk that have got together and we're uh, working together uh, to try and promote the good thinking about mental health problems in the church. 
So that will be the first three quarters of, of an hour. And at 1.15, there will be a quarter of an hour break to allow you to move about the college, to grab a cup of tea or coffee if you want, um, and to go to your um, seminar groups. There's going to be two seminar groups throughout the day. Um, from 11.30 until 12.30, there will be a, a seminar, and uh, there will be two con running concurrently. And if Andy could give out some uh, labels, you'll pass along some uh, labels, and if you could take a label out of, of the sheet, write your name on it, and also, if you want, uh, turn to your next door neighbour uh, and say what your name is, introduce them, yourself to them, and work out with your neighbour whether you are going to go to uh, Rob Waller's seminar in the morning or in the afternoon. That's what you need to decide between you and your next door neighbour. Because we have two concurrent seminars in the morning and then they're running again in the afternoon. So you go to one in the morning and another in the afternoon. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you, are you following me? Uh, so if you go to Rob Waller's in the morning, you come to mine in the afternoon, which will be at uh, 2.30 till 3.30. And if you go to mine in the morning, you go to Rob's in the afternoon. Does that all make sense? Okay? So that's a way of getting you to uh, do, do a bit of work and introducing to yourselves. So we'll, we'll do that in a moment. Lunch will be at 12.30 to 1.30. Lunch is included in your booking. Um, so, uh, and uh, Annette, our, our college caterer, some of you will know, does, does, always does a grand job. And that will be uh, through there. Uh, the booking will be set up in the games room through there and you can come and eat at the table. Okay? The table will come here. And uh, then after lunch, we will be having a small kind of presentation uh, from a few folk uh, and then opening it up to some discussion. So that's basically the day and we'll come again together at the end. So if you could do that just now, turn to your neighbour and decide <coughs> who's going to the morning seminar with Rob and who's going to the afternoon seminar. going to Rob Waller's in the morning. What do you think? Has that worked? <coughs> about half? Ish. Ish. Right. <laughs> okay. Now, Rob's seminar will take place here, and he's the technocrat, uh, and has got all the PowerPoint stuff. 
I work with jotters and books and paper and I'm banished up to the boardroom, up the stairs, where there will be a handout for you and not a lot else. Okay, so I can do that stuff for So if you're in Rob Waller's seminar, you're here. And if you're with me, up, you're up the stairs in the boardroom. With the lead piping. And it was Professor Plum. It's in the boardroom. In here, there is a book stall. These books over there are for sale, but they will not be so, uh, for sale until lunchtime. They're not for taking away without paying, please. Okay? I'm always amazed at some conferences I go to and folk think, oh, a free gift! <laughs> Sorry, there's no free gift. These are for sale. And Curtis, uh, the Glow Centre in Motherwell has very kindly uh, given us a selection of books uh, on a sale on a return basis. And Carol will be looking after that. Could you stick your hand up here, Carol? So give your, give your dodge to Carol, okay? Um, also, up on the wall there, you will see some artwork. I suppose the, the, the artist wouldn't mind if you pay for it, but I don't think that's quite what they had in mind. But that artwork is done by um, folks who come along to a group at Queen's Park Baptist Church every Monday afternoon, which we've, and we've called ourselves The Hub. And we meet uh, for three hours over lunch every Monday uh, at uh, uh, Queen's Park Baptist Church. And our aim in life is to support one another with, uh, because we all have mental health problems. I'll tell you a bit more about that later on. But these are productions of people at The Hub. Um, I've said that lunch will be provided. In the library, the, the library staff have kindly made a display of relevant books. And you're welcome to go in and have a browse around. Uh, they are library books and they will beep if you, if you uh, remove them without checking them through. While uh, there will be a member of staff in the library, and if you would like to join the library, because anyone in, uh, any member of the public can, then you'll be able to do that or take a note of, of how to do it later on. So that's the library which is just through there. When you're having your coffee you are very welcome to move a mill about the students common room next door as well as in here. Okay? When we're moving up to the boardroom, uh, Sam would you maybe point in the direction of the boardroom for people? Thank you very much. Um, uh, toilets are just out there, just along from the canteen area, and exactly the same up above. Okay, so toilets are out there. And I think that's everything I want to say, other than to say thank you for coming, and I do hope that it's a profitable day for you. So I'm going to hand over to Rob Waller now, and uh, he'll tell you a bit about himself and whatever else you want to say. Right, how are you? Thank you so much for coming. Um, as you can tell from my voice, I'm not from around here. I'm a, a southerner, born in London, and um, I've been coming slowly north over the years, so I trained in medicine in Cambridge, and then I studied um, psychiatry and was a sort of junior doctor at various different times, and a lecturer in psychiatry in Leeds in Yorkshire. And then I thought I was going to settle in Bradford. I just got a consultant job in Bradford when I met this um, Scottish girl called Susanna. 
who uh, dragged me up here. So um, we, we stay across in Edinburgh, and um, she's come on at Brawn and Bread, and um, used to learn to windsurf on the Gaelock down here, so she's um, very much familiar with this side of the country, but we stay across in Edinburgh now. And um, it's lovely to have so many of you here today, and I know that, you know, always when you put on things like this, there's all the people who sort of come along on the day, and that's fantastic, and uh, it's, it's great that we've got a, a sort of pretty full room. Um, don't worry too much about whether half of you go upstairs and half of you stay down, so it doesn't matter, because you, you get to swap around in the afternoon anyway. Um, but um, if more than half of you go upstairs, the boardroom's not as big as this room, so it'd be good to try and keep it roughly half and half. Um, just a wee bit, just about myself, I'm a consultant psychiatrist, um, which means I'm a doctor by training, and um, I went into medicine because I was good at science at school, I suppose, and then um, over, over the time I thought, well actually, all the different specialities, they, they, they kind of interest me. I mean, I, I enjoyed surgery, for example, um, but it wasn't going to get me out of bed in the morning for the rest of my life. It's a bit like tinkering around under the bonnet of a car. I can do it. It's good fun. I like getting messy. I like trying to put the bits back in the right order. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to be a mechanic for the rest of my life. So I thought, well, surgery is not for me. And, you know, likewise, when I was working in medicine, lots of people coming in with illnesses, pneumonia, kidney infections, all that kind of stuff. And what interested me wasn't so much which antibiotic they were going to go on and what their blood test was, but it was whether or not they were going to be able to go back home to live independently, or whether they were going to need some kind of nursing care, or whether they had anybody at all visiting them, or anything like that, or whether because they'd been in hospital for four or five weeks, they were actually getting depressed because they were just forgotten and stuck in the corner of the ward because they didn't seem to be getting better, or they had dementia, or they were only for palliative care, or something like that. So. I was always much more interested in the psychological and the social side of medicine. Um, so I thought, well, I don't know what, I'll become a psychiatrist. And um, the irony, of course, of becoming a psychiatrist is, is that I, my day job, if you like, is to look after about a quarter of West Lothian. So um, I don't actually spend a lot of time counselling people or spending a lot of time with individuals. I mean, I think, you know, I tend to get involved with people who are very unwell, perhaps when they need them to come into hospital, when they're very suicidal or psychotic. Um, but actually the vast majority of people I see are, are more involved for annual reviews or seeing everybody, someone every two or three months or something like that. And actually normally they've got someone else, another kind of mental health professional or another person in their life who's actually significantly more important than me. Or they might be involved in some kind of work like the hub do here that Marion's going to talk about later or they have a social worker or a chaplain or a community nurse who actually sees a lot more of them than I do. Um, so although I'm very interested in this area, one of the things I have learned over the years is that I'm not actually a very good counsellor. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm not that good at listening, sorry. Um, but I'm okay, I think, at, at teaching and I'm quite passionate about um, getting the message out there and trying to make services as good as possible. And um, I'm very very cross and angry when it doesn't happen, if that makes sense. In the, in the book of Habakkuk, um, Habakkuk had a complaint to God. He said, God, what is going on? You know, and his complaint was about justice. You know, how come the bad guys are getting away with it and the, the, the good guys are getting stitched up and losing their jobs and all that kind of stuff? And Habakkuk had this complaint for God and um, God ultimately listened to him and did sort the situation out, but he also said to him, my job, you know, um, you, 
thank you for bringing it to my attention, but I am in control. But, but he said, um, you know, do bring it to my attention, do be encouraged. So, so my complaint really is when people with um, mental health problems get portrayed negatively on TV, for example, or the fact that if you're trying to open a, a, a drop-in or a residential home for people with mental health problems, it's almost impossible to get planning permission. Uh, you know, you have to apply for planning permission about 10 times, and there's very much a not-in-my-backyard sort of approach to this. Obviously, we think it's important, but not in this street, because children play in this street. I mean, people with mental health problems are not dangerous. They're not paedophiles. They're not, that's not the situation, you know, but people think it is. So there's, Marilyn's going to touch on stigma a bit, a bit later. So I'm very passionate about getting a fair deal and trying to get this out and about. And um, one of the things we're looking at today is, you know, how can the church be a nurturing community for people with mental health problems? Because if anyone can get this right, it should be the church. I suppose that might be a starting point that hopefully most of us would share in that we think, well, this is God's given community started with the sort of nation of Israel in the Old Testament that was meant to have a special place for the widow, for the sojourner, for the person who struggled. And, and in the church, you know, the um, deacons are appointed to, to look after the, whichever group of widows it was that was being overlooked, I can't quite remember, but it was, you know, the, the, the church is always meant to have had a special place for, for this kind of work, for working people with, with mental health problems. Now, not everybody with mental health problem struggles with a, with a capital S in a way that you can tell some people do, and I think the church has been so-so at having people in their congregation who do obviously struggle, but the question I'd say is, well, how good are they at actually involving them fully in the fellowship? For example, you know, small groups that are very academic or where you share lots of emotions may not be ideal starting points. Um, obviously much more to small groups than that, but that's not always put across. Or, or what about people who struggle less obviously, who seem to be okay, who seem to be um, you know, very confident and all that kind of stuff, but actually inside are not, but don't feel that they can share that, don't feel that they can actually put their hand up and say, do you know what, I'm struggling. Now I've got a few um, cartoons today, um, done by a friend of mine called John Birch, who's a cartoonist. He, his website is called Asbo Jesus. <laughs> which I think is absolutely fantastic, and if you type Asbo Jesus into Google, it'll, it'll come up. And um, the basic idea of his is that if Jesus was around today, he would have gotten himself an Asbo. <laughs> because he just says stuff that's controversial. And one of the things that, that, that Jesus says is that, you know, the gospel's upside down. It's, it's for the weak, it's for the poor, it's for the excluded, and for the broken. And I don't think most churches intend this, that's important to say, but many churches seem to be for the strong, the rich, the included, and the whole. So I suppose today we want to sort of see where we're at on that and um, see where we can take that. And, and this is being recorded for posterity. We're going to be um, cutting some 33 and a third records later. No, we're, we're, we're going to try and put it on Tinternet. So Tinternet's what they have in Yorkshire. The internet, okay, so we're going to try and put it on the internet and um, we'll, we'll see if we can get some of this first session. I might try and crop out a bit about the housekeeping, but we'll, we'll keep in what Marion's going to say in a bit. And this session, I'm going to try and record my session. Marion's not going to record her session, that's okay. We'll have to come back later and uh, record Marion's because um, paper only is allowed upstairs on the next floor. They have electricity, I think, in the floor. They do, yes. Good. <laughs> and fun coal fires, yes. Um, so we're just going to record my session, um, but don't worry, we're not going to record all of it, and you don't have to use the microphone. Um, but 
if it's going to be a safe place, you know, not everyone is an extrovert, not everyone likes using a microphone, and we need to run today's conference on sort of safe place principles. So one of the things I want to try and do now by way of interaction is maybe get you into small groups of three or four. That means that you will end up going into small groups of five or six, that's okay. But we'll aim for three or four, and I'd like you to just to very quickly sort of discuss couple of two or three things that you want out of today and then I'm going to ask whoever's the extrovert in the group to be the spokesperson and we'll try and get a little bit of feedback just to make sure that we're not ignoring any viewpoints or um, what you think of what's been said so far that kind of thing so do you want to get into groups of three or four i.e. five or six and one person be ready as a spokesperson okay off you go <laughs> just fairly quick, just two minutes, okay? Two or three minutes. Okay, extroverts. Should we get a little bit of feedback if we can? Um, 
Churches want to be good at this, I think, by and large, and some of them do think they're good at it, but we're not getting the information out there, because every week, I would say, I meet somebody who, who comes into my office who wants to go to church, but doesn't know where to start. Uh, you know, they may never have been involved in church, they might have been to Sunday school when they were young or something, but they want to go to church, and, you know, when people are going through a difficult time, they often do ask spiritual questions, 
but they don't know where to start. They don't know whether any of the local churches will actually take them seriously. Or they may have been in church, and that church thinks they're doing a good job, but that person left. So I, I see the people who leave, you know, I've not got rose-tinted spectacles as to how churches manage this. Because I think some churches think, oh, we've got a really good program or something like that. But, you know, I see the sort of, I hope it's not as high as this, but it seems like the sort of 80% who leave church. Now, there's always going to be 5 or 10%, but it shouldn't be as high as 80. Yeah. Okay, what about down the front here? Yep. Yeah. You're just looking for a week to One more this side, then perhaps across the other side, nothing to get everybody. <coughs> Definitely, so this sort of, um, you know, what I call buddy Jesus, you know, the sort of superhero of Jesus. You know, the little plastic figurines on wheels. You get one of Jesus and he's sort of like this. And it's, it's that sort of victory Jesus kind of thing. Well, you know, Jesus was victorious over death, but he died in the process. So we need to sort of think again about our victorious Jesus, don't we? So, um, yeah, you know, there's that very much that kind of thing. You know, if you're a Christian, then you ought to have got all aspects of our life sorted out. Um, Luckily for us, Jesus chose as the leader of the first church a man called Peter who continued to make a number of significant mistakes during the rest of his life. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Over this side, if I can, hopefully we'll <coughs> cover a lot of the points there. Just one or two from this side, maybe. Yeah. I think you just stand up for a Yeah. Um, a number of the points have already been covered, but I think one specifically was um, the issue of people attending services may find that oppressive and to actually look at the way we are doing church um, and how um, inclusive that can be. Definitely, definitely. And, you know, people need to gather, but gathering is not always the best place to start. And somehow we need to sort of get the idea out there, which I think we all kind of know, is that church is not a building or a meeting. Church is a community, but we need to be extra explicit with that somehow. Yeah. Okay, any, any other points we haven't covered from over this side? Okay, all right. So we'll try and get most of those things in. Um, I'm just going to tell you a little bit about an organisation I work for called Mind and Soul. And a lot of you, have, some of the questions were sort of, well, how do we raise our church's awareness on this? Um, now, some stuff you're going to take away from this day, but actually what's quite useful is for you to be able to give something to your pastor, to your small group leader, to say, well, actually, here's a really good resource. You know, actually... 
I don't know how to talk about it that well, or I haven't got time to talk about it, but there's shed loads of stuff out there. So, um, Minus is an organisation that um, myself and a friend who's a vicar in London, um, who got post-traumatic stress disorder after the London bombings, and um, also a, a friend of mine who's a used to be a social worker, a mental health social worker in London, but now runs um, something called Premier Life, which is, has anyone heard of Premier Christian Radio? Okay, so it's just gone national on DAB. Some of you might listen to it, and they've got a sort of big phone-in and lifestyle sort of section, and Jonathan runs Premier Life, and I'll tell you a bit about Premier Lifeline, which is their extended hours phone-in counselling service in a bit as well. But by the start, there's a whole bunch of stuff. Now, if my gadgets are going to work, we should get the... Um, I'll start the bill around the front. Go! Oh, come on, gadget. Get the old-fashioned way. There you go. So, um, Microsoft is part of Premier Christian Media, and they're a big media company in London. They do Christianity Magazine, Youth Worker Magazine, a whole bunch of stuff like that. And we've got a funky website which looks like this today. Tomorrow it'll look completely different, because it's getting a new website. But that's the website address, www.mindandsoul.info. And there's loads on there, so there's a podcast, there's regular podcasts. The audio for my session is going to go up as a podcast. We've got blogs that are more informal, more chatty. We've got informative articles. We've got 100 or so articles. We've got another 30 or 40 on core mental health topics to go up. We've got big events. So um, three or four weeks ago, we did a conference of 1,000 people in Holy Trinity, Brompton in London. It was absolutely fantastic. I would love it if we could do something of 1,000 people in London, in Edinburgh, sorry. Um, you know, more about that later, maybe. Um, we've got a big search function, so the best way to find the website is to go digging around and have a good search through it. And there's also a monthly email on thereabouts that we send out, sort of highlighting what's gone on on the site recently. So if you're after sort of resources to show to people, email to people, print off and give to people, all that kind of stuff, the Minosol website's a great place to start. Those of you who are on this side of the room have got a little um, business card with the details on it. Um, as always, these days are more popular than you thought they were going to be, so I didn't quite bring it up for that half of the room, but um, I'll pop these slides up again later. And that's the phone number for Premier Lifeline, um, it's 0845 number 6525252, and you can bring that up from 9 a.m. till midnight every single day of the year, or you can email in. So it's a really helpful resource. Um, I did a thing on Premier Radio, I did their late show um, a month or two ago, just one night, and I phoned in. And I was amazed, we had probably 10, 15 people phone in during the program, and Every single one of them didn't go to church because they felt excluded. And a lot of them have been given a diagnosis of personality disorder by local mental health services. And I guess to a certain extent, that's often the people who are awake at that time of day, you know, and listening to the radio. That is their Christian contact. And um, although online stuff and radio is a, is a good place to start with church, I'd suggest it's a bad place to stop. And, um, you know, perhaps we can sort of do something today to see if we can take that a bit further. Um, just plug again these books. One of the sections we've got on the website is, is about book reviews and um, a couple of great ones here. Pablo Martinez, some of you may know from Spring Harvest and things like that, he's a Spanish psychiatrist. And his latest book, A Thorn in the Flesh, was all about coping with chronic suffering. And um, he came to the London conference we had and did a seminar on this book. So you can listen to the audio from that on the website if you're not feeling up to reading an entire book. But it's absolutely fantastic. Pablo is just such a gentleman, such a gentle guy, and an amazing speaker as well. And I'm really excited to see two books on dementia on the bookstore. Um, I've only come across one before, so I've got two more. Um, but what I'm generally saying is, if any of you want to write a book review for the website, it'd be great to get all of those books across there reviewed. 
And one of the things we want to try and do at Minus Sod is produce good quality resources for the church. And one of those is going to be a big long list of Christian books about mental health problems with reviews and, and comments on them. So if any of you want to write a book review, we've only got sort of 10, 15 books up there at the moment. I'd love it if there were a couple of hundred books up there. So take a book, and if you do take one, please write a review for the website. Marion, back to you. Thank you very much. The reason I read Psalm 77 at the beginning was that these verses, or at least the first, probably one to eight or so, describe depression amazingly well. Amazingly well. Everything to the early morning awakening, um, the, the torment in the mind, all of that is all in there in Psalm 77. Quite remarkably. And one of my passions in life is to try and get uh, more of scripture into how we look after people with mental health problems. And there's absolutely nothing out there. There is very little on it. We're remedying that here at ICC. I have a student who's starting a PhD at, uh, later on in the year, and he's going to be looking at how, uh, in, how in cases of some churches, which uh, emphasise the spiritual uh, gifts, spiritual gifts to such an extent, how does that come across to people with a psychotic illness? How do people with psychotic illnesses relate to this emphasis on uh, the charismatic gifts? So I'm very much looking forward to that process. Um, and that he's going to be looking at 1 Corinthians. Another student's going to be looking at 1 Corinthians and narcissism. How can we be church in a narcissistic society? It would amaze you what we can draw from scripture. And it's only just starting. So please remember that kind of work that is going on. Um, uh, but people, what we do tend to do in church is, no offence, but we draw on modernist psychology, psychiatry, and so forth. But there's a lot in scripture. And God works beyond modernism and he works in people's lives in extraordinary ways and the Bible is one of them. However, what we have, what I have found over the years is that there is a naive use of scripture amongst people and we tend to draw verses out and kind of apply them like sticking plasters or rub them on like deep heat for, for muscle aches. And that can be glib and insulting from the point of view of the person who is suffering. It may help the carer to feel better, but sometimes it can come across as glib and insulting, even if it's the best of intentions. So part of what we want today to do today is to think about how some of our care might come across to people. And the reason I'm passionate about this is um, I work here as a lecturer in New Testament and pastoral care. And I, t I lecture on, uh, I very seldom get people coming to my office when uh, they are struggling with New Testament. They'll come and ask me what they should write in their essay or their exegesis, which of course I'll send them and tell I can't, can't tell you the answers, you've got to do it yourself. But after I have taught on mental health, I very often have number of students coming to my door for help. I was a psychiatric nurse for a long time. 
I also uh, suffer from depression, and I've been on uh, antidepressant drugs for probably about 11 years now, following a huge <coughs> in my family. And I've tried to come off them, and I just haven't managed to come off these tablets. I sink very deeply. Um, so I now have experience as, well, uh, as a mental health professional, but also as a patient, and also someone who works in mental health from outside the professional system. And the reason that I became passionate was I began to get very, very, very angry indeed at the number of students who were coming into my office up the stairs and saying that they felt so ashamed they couldn't tell anyone the church in the church about their mental health problem. They felt afraid of rejection. They were, uh, if they did go for help, many of them were being told to come off the tablets. You shouldn't be taking these tablets. There must be sin in your life. And many of them were getting that sort of response. And I'll never forget the girl who came to me one day. And uh, she was brought by a bit like, oh, it reminds me of that picture over there. You see the, the African picture of the, the chap being laid brought through the roof, you know? Well, this girl was virtually huckled up to me at the end of the lecture. She was virtually huckled by some friends and said, this, she, she needs help. So we, we sat and chatted for quite a while. And after she talked for a while, it became evident that she, you know, she really was uh, suffering from depression. And I said, you know, I suffer from depression too. I've got mental health problems too. And she kind of looked at me and said, what, well, you? You've got mental health problems? Yeah. And she was one of many who, who <coughs> looked to people they think are Christian leaders. And we should all be without any problems. That girl was now a close friend of mine. And we we prop each other up along the way. But there is an attitude. We don't mean to do it in church. That somehow people with mental health problems are second class <coughs> citizens, not good enough uh, Christians. That's many of our experiences. It's not universal by any means. We don't want to say that the church is just dreadful all the time and everywhere. But there are many, many hurting people out there. Many hurting people who, like the people who are phoning in, feel excluded or uh, are frightened to come uh, in case they're going to be told something like a girl I know who was told in a prayer session to stop all our tablets. And she took that to mean all our tablets, and she was in hospital the next day. And she came out and, and, and she said, I've been healed. And this girl had bipolar illness and severe epilepsy and an alcohol problem. And I saw the damage. So all of these experiences make me rather passionate about wanting to answer some of the questions that are being asked and to develop some sort of uh, awareness and sensitivity uh, and to be, to encourage people to talk. I talk quite a lot about my mental health problems now. I go around the country and I talk, I don't sit down and say, oh, I've got terrible problems. 
last night was awful. What a mess. I talk about my experience, okay? Um, and uh, it's very difficult. I can only do it sometimes. I've got to space out because it's, it makes you very vulnerable. And if I feel that, as someone who's relatively well at the moment, for someone to pluck up the courage and tell you that they have a mental health problem, that might be something major in their lives. And most people don't say anything. They don't say anything for the reasons we've discussed. So there were too many students, and then I began to discover as I went, as I go around the country to talk in read conferences and read seminars and whatnot, too many people coming along to these. And uh, maybe not putting their hands up in the plenary sessions, but coming up afterwards and telling me their stories. And all the hard time that's out there. So that was the, uh, the kind of a catalyst. My own experience and, and anger, basically, but anger is not a good place to stop. It's an important place to start sometimes, but um, like you said about coming into doing things online, stopping at anger is decidedly unhealthy. Um, so this, uh, uh, events like this are designed to, not just to help the church as a whole to, uh, to think more about mental health problems, but maybe to let some of us just move on a bit, rather think that something might be being done, and maybe we'll all become a wee bit more sensitive to, to one another. Another major problem in the church is not just for people with mental health problems themselves, it's the families of people with mental health problems. And can we believe that some people who have families with mental health problems feel the same shame and stigma that the sufferers themselves do, sometimes even more? And many people who have uh, people with people with mental health problems in their families are ashamed to tell other Christians. Well, there must be sin in your life, or there must be something you did when you were bringing the child up that's wrong. The attitudes are un underneath. And care of people with mental health problems includes the care of people who love them. And as Rob said. Where else but the church should that be? That should be what we are about. People shouldn't have to feel shame or fear or rejection. So we'll discuss some of these things uh, throughout the day. Just to say about the Hub, uh, we're just a group of people that meet, as I said earlier on. But we have been greatly uh, supported by the Scottish Association for Mental Health, who resource us with uh, a project worker to whom we can go at any time if you want to, some help. Um, and what we're hoping to do is, is be able to develop a wee bit and, and start putting posters and, and uh, maybe take referrals from GPs and whatnot but, and churches. Uh, but our aim is to provide a safe place. You'll hear a bit more about that later. Okay, I think that's all I want to say just now. But I'll leave you. No, I won't. I won't tell you the story. I'll tell the story in the seminar. I think that'll do just now. And at the moment, tea and coffee is available. Sam will be doing his Morse seminar to get you up to the seminar upstairs if you're going. And if you could be in your relevant places by half past 11. Okay? Any questions?
Where do you register? Pay, ask Petra. Yes, <laughs> She's the blonde over there. 